At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. Hey everybody, it's Oral Hygiene, where we talk about caught films, experimental films, interesting documentaries, educational films. It's been a while since I did one of these. I don't even remember what I'm supposed to say anymore. Okay. That sounded right to me. That's cool. Uh, Matt is here. Andrew's in his car near the Bitchwood Shopping Center. Yeah. Yeah, I am going to the movies after this. Which movie is that? I'm seeing everything everywhere all at once for the second time. Oh, okay. Second time. I, yeah. I don't know if that's playing in Japan yet. I, I, my last movie was last week and I totally thought I was going to see Edward, uh, Edgar Wright's last film. Was that the last night in Soho? But yep, I actually saw, yeah. I actually saw nightmare alley, but I guess that's probably <laughs> the better film anyway. <laughs> I don't know. I think not, last night in Soho gets a bad rep, man. I, I, uh, I enjoyed that one and I did not enjoy Nightmare Alley quite as much. Okay. Well, I saw the preview, right? So that really got me. And somehow I just got my wires crossed that that was that movie. So, oh, you know. yeah. No, I hear you, man. And plus, I don't know if I like the last couple from Edgar Wright. I like Baby Driver. Is that the last one? I don't know. But I, no, last night in Soho, I'm totally on board. It was a, it was kind of a giallo a little bit. I enjoyed it. No, I still, yeah, I, I, I've actually seen some of it now because you can get it online now. And um, I, I haven't finished it. I did actually watch the first half and enjoyed it quite a bit, you know. Yeah, no, it's a cool movie. I don't I don't usually go by what other people say, man. I'm still kind of like, I tend to have, well, it's been described as a big heart for <laughs> movies, but I also don't have such high expectations for most of what I watch. Yeah, it was just the first time that I thought I was seeing one film and totally saw a different film. <laughs> I've done that. So I've done that so many times, Okay, especially during Oscar season. I'm like, where am I? <laughs> I think that's what because the Oscars had just happened. And uh, I actually looked at the second article that told you who like was nominated and stuff as opposed to what happened at the Oscars. And I, I was like, right. and I noticed, oh, it's playing at the theater. And, you know, I got off work early that week. And I was like, I can actually go see a movie. So, you know, no, no problems. So. <laughs> Yeah, during that time, I usually see like a couple. I'll do like two in a night or whatever, or in a day, uh, just to make sure I've seen everything. And uh, uh, yeah, because of that, I'm like, I don't even know where I saw or what I was, you know, <laughs> right. but I know I saw them. <laughs> now, I know I've seen today's movie a few times uh, since there's a new Red Hot Chili Peppers album with John Frusciani. It seemed like a good time to get into their 1991 documentary, Funky Monks about the making of blood sugar sex magic uh if this they, I, I don't know this one probably doesn't go on the tv but what would the tv guide say for this one tv guide would say uh four young los angeles punk funk rockers get together in an old mansion to create what would go on to be a alternative rock masterpiece okay that's yeah that's how you said in better words than i did just before that that's what the, that's what the tv guy does right it makes better words <laughs> i mean that's what we do in my profession we just you know 
I, I did the movie previews for so many years. I learned how to summarize yeah. something, it, you know, even things I hadn't seen in, uh, in about a, a sentence. Now, I might have gone with four California bros. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, did you buy this on VHS or just rent it and copy it? Statue of Limitations no, I, is over now. Yeah, no, I bought it. It was released the same day as the album. I, I bought them both. Okay. And that, so I copied your VHS to VHS players style because I know I watch this one quite a bit and I didn't buy it. So I, I'm the pirate in this case. <laughs> Yeah, and I hadn't seen it probably since the 90s, and I remembered absolutely everything. I must have watched this, I don't know how many times. Yeah, same thing. I mean, yeah, and I, uh, yeah, I remember buying it the same day. Um, uh, I remember where I was, uh, and uh, my, my aunt lost her purse at a Braves game, and so I ended up riding around with my mom into downtown Atlanta and going through all this with blood sugar sex magic in my headphones so i must have listened to the album like four or five times that day oh good you weren't <laughs> playing it for your mom that's good <laughs> no 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 it was on the headphone and and uh but but funky monks yeah and not only did i rewatch it and remember so much of it like even like when scenes would cut and things like that and stuff would happen but i also um, remembered like feelings i had when watching the movie because i'd been a chili pepper fan for a few years at that point because we were into mother's milk um, yeah, that's yeah. When, when we got into it and so i remember not knowing a whole lot about them like what they how they spoke you mm -hmm. know what i mean and things like that and so yeah i had a few <laughs> i had a few thoughts that i that i they totally resurfaced um, from my youth seeing that um when i was rewatching, and it looks like the version on youtube is pulled from a tape oh yeah I, I, honestly this is one where i mean it's almost like watching this in shitty quality is part of the charm you know because they filmed in like high contrast black and white in the first place so <laughs> yeah it's just a little amazing that it didn't resurface in some box set as as a as a dvd um i do have it on dvd but it's an import um mm. and quality is not amazing but still like i think it's a great movie and even though it's not feature length um i'm kind of surprised that it hasn't come out yeah in some format since then with the tape yeah this actually was i guess this is the first decent album i bought because i copied tapes from you um so i had my little bootleg cassette tapes and uh i bought like weird owl albums but that's that's weird owl that doesn't quite count as like you know like I don't want to say it's not proper music. It's just Weird Al's Weird Al, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so it's first, its own genre. So the first yeah. proper thing I bought was uh, all of us were real excited and went out on release day to get Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, which uh, slightly God, disappointing. Off. <laughs> it, they, I will always feel like so ripped off by that because, I mean, Appetite for Destruction, not to delve into this, but it was such a great record. And it was around for so many years, uh, you know, and, and so this double album thing we thought was just, I, I don't know about you, but I had to save up for it. And I also bought the t-shirts and the videotape, the same, like I bought all of that with my, with my preteen money or teen money or whatever it was. And I remember just listening to it and going like, I have to pretend that this is the best thing ever so that I don't get buyer's remorse. Phantom you know Menace I mean? syndrome. 
<laughs> yeah. And so I, I tried my damnedest. I eventually remember making a tape of, for myself that was like my, just my favorites from it, you know? Mm. And so I had like huge illusion as the album that I had enjoyed, you know, with, with just the songs that I liked. And it was, uh, it was one side of a, <laughs> hey, sometimes it works that way no yeah i because i remember going getting those on release day saving the money now i didn't get the t-shirts like why well, chili pepper t-shirts didn't i that's why we're doing this movie and uh i just that's watched right. your videos <laughs> i know we watched them a few times um yeah so i did you know yeah like you i had some of the feelings i had come back but watching it now is like remembering what i thought then and watching it now you know it's like well, the first, the big thought is, wow, John really was not doing well. <laughs> no, poor, you know, John, that's the thing, man. You know, he was a Hillel Slovak and Chili Pepper fan that got into the band when he was like 20 years or maybe even younger than that. I think he was, he was like, like 18. Yeah. And so because we were kids when we were watching it, I don't think I, I remember thinking it's just as like, you know, John Frusciante was still in his favorite band. Like he was got the dream, you know what I mean? Mm. And, uh, cause I did for all my lack of seeing the chili peppers, like actually speaking in and, and just being people, I did read a lot about them cause they already had a really like a, you know, a very memorable story that wasn't in the distant past being in the late eighties when I got into them. So, but yeah, John in the movie, um, definitely seems like the kid, but he also seems like kind of out of his mind. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Nothing he says makes sense. I mean, I, I was actually sitting there wondering if he was just like sitting there tripping the whole time <laughs> or if, or if that's an actual, you know, mental illness, because I, I know he, his his real drug problems didn't start till after this, mostly because he did actually enjoy this time. And once it was over, kind of had like, you know, existential dread or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he was he was he he fell into like, you know, a deep, deep illness. And I honestly think. I, you know, I, I, I go back and forth of it. I'm like, okay, if John had stayed in the band after the tour and not have quit during the tour for the album that uh, this movie, you know, depicts being made, would he have died during the tour or died on tour or died after that? Or is the only reason why he lived because he quit the band, but he seemed to get worse not being in the band. Everybody that's a chili pepper fan is familiar with this Dutch television interview that he did or German television interview, something where he just was like a zombie. I mean, he was, I mean, one thing about blood, about a funky monks, the movie is you get to see John with his original face and teeth. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Good point. Cause he definitely has a different vibe these days. Although his, his, his last departure seemed to have been a much more fruitful time, fortunately, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, he was gone for 10 years the first time. And then I think 20 some odd the second time. Now you got both those numbers too big. It's a uh, six and 14. Sorry. Okay. I was reading, reading the wiki while, while waiting for the zoom. Okay. That's, <laughs> this is all off the top of my head. So. You're in the car. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah, no, not, I, not like I prepare for these even when I'm not in the car, but, uh, I am interested to know, like, because when you were a kid and you watched this, we were like budding musicians at best. I'm still pretty much at the same skill level I was <laughs> at that time. But like you being someone who writes, records and produces and all that stuff and makes your own albums. 
uh what was what was it like watching them make an album as a now as an adult like musician well again um you'll you'll be this was you and me pouring over this and probably chris jones has been on this podcast where you get those uh guitar magazines and pull out the tablatures and try and figure out how to play under the bridge or give it away and all that stuff and like you know i, I think we could manage suck my kiss was it in the end is that is that yeah. oh, chris could ma chris could manage more because he was quite good at age 12 but you and i could manage maybe suck my kiss <laughs> yeah no it, it was tough and of course now i mean i you know as a as a as a bass player going into chili pepper music after having been the bass player in a couple of bands i found that flea's um style not the slap and pop but just like the finger style funk was something that i gravitated to mostly because i was so familiar with his playing to the point where i could put on an album like blood sugar sex magic and just do it by ear yeah that's what i do now like guitar and bass i'll just kind of jam out and um actually flea usually does play fretted basses yes yeah yeah he does okay because yeah. i i couldn't it was i i know I, I told you i got that um basically like jacko copy a few years ago and once i got yeah, that, that i was wouldn't... like that was no no that's where i was like shit so i can play all the flea parts i think the frets were like in my way huh. <laughs> so <laughs> that we well, could so... definitely get all those slides and stuff in yeah so before i got the fretless bass i did find flea parts pretty intimidating and once i got it it's now it's like whatever it's it's yeah so huh. it seems like it should be the other way but uh yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it it, it it was kind of tough, but I was always, a, I didn't use a pick. And so, um, but there's some where I'm just like, you know, he uses like all of his finger and that's not my technique. And so, yeah, there's some stuff, especially on the, the last couple albums of theirs where I'm just like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm out of trouble throwing the pinky in. Uh, as, as far as the guitar parts, uh, I, I've heard it said before that John's secret weapon is never quite being in tune. <laughs> which that's yeah. i don't i don't use a tuner so i think i ended up in that in that same spot um because yeah i i have a ukulele with a tuner like built in so i might use that sometimes because it's like it's on the ukulele but <laughs> doesn't matter otherwise yeah, i know that i actually i tuned a day tripper <laughs> <laughs> like whenever i need to tune i'll put on the beatles day tripper i'll tune to that which We'll get you in tune with most songs. If you want to play with Hendrix, you have to tune to Hendrix. So yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah. No, I. Gosh, when I was in that band Thumper and I was the guitarist, I never tuned my guitar, and so as a result, I think Mark had to detune his bass really badly in order to play with me on that album. <laughs> but that's, I mean, I, if you heard, you heard the thing about, uh, I think it's four thirty-two hertz, like that's the middle C or something. Uh -huh. But most most music slightly higher. The standard's like four forty, right? But some people are like, like, I feel like if you just tune by ear, I think that's where Hendrix ended up, you know, like he was just tuned, and also he wanted to bend the strings and stuff better. So, um, but I was going to yeah. say, if, if he touched that dive bar, it'd be out of tune anyways, even if it was perfectly in tune when he began playing. I mean, it was a strat. So, yeah, yeah. My, the, the one I have now, I, I had a bad habit of like, I guess, putting the, uh, the tremolo on too, too tightly. So now it's not threaded anymore, and I just have to kind of jam it in there. Fortunately, I don't play live. If I was playing live, I'd be like jamming out, and then it would just like plop out, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> man, he he rocked so hard, he broke his shit. I, I've told you my Stratocaster solution before, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah we've talked about it because <laughs> I was I was a Stratocaster player for a little while, but yeah, somebody I let borrow it just decided it was theirs. So. <laughs> 
But, well. uh, I, I found having the weird kind of boutique-ish off-brand version was actually my my jam because uh, the yeah, that's the thing. I, I really feel like he's more of a uh, now that we're gear talking anyway. I feel like the Jaguar and Jagmaster, not Jagmaster, Jazzmaster, or his real like those actually make his style come through best. I think. True. Yeah, because he was doing a lot of like hollow body stuff when he first came back to the peppers with californication but now it's yeah he's he's settled into the yeah into like the the jazz master and the you know because you can i mean when you watch him play live that's all he's doing you know yeah so i'm now i'm sitting here like uh yeah this this movie's so sex obsessed so when we were 12 that was fucking awesome right so i know and i got i copied so much of like i seriously wasn't too much i seem to be not too much more mature than uh anthony <laughs> when i saw the movie i don't think i was much more mature than him <laughs> or much less much less rather being a, a, a whatever i was 12 13 year old boy um and also it's i weirdly patterned some stuff around around him because i remember i had a i don't know maybe it was just a lot of the people i liked were immature as well but like i i remember seeing pictures of how he dressed and going like oh god that's kind of what i wear you know and you know as my hair kind of grew out i don't know maybe we just favored each other i don't know but i definitely based the adtv steve zimmerman character on anthony circa the older chili peppers and that probably needs an explanation meaning that's uh videos we made when we were kids we were we were oh, yes. used the theme song as um as higher grounds chili pepper chili peppers higher ground cover which yeah. now i know of course it's not as good as the original but it, it was awesome at the time <laughs> oh yeah no um what they did with that yeah i mean it, it was really good but i one of the things with funky monks um that i remembered thinking was are they all gay <laughs> and i yeah. was like I had to decide if I was cool with that because, you know, in just a couple of years after that, uh, Clyde Barker came out as gay and I'd been reading his book since I was nine and it really changed. Like it didn't make me not like it. Cause obviously, you know, that doesn't matter, but like still it made me th- like think of things. And I was going like, well, wait a minute now. Some things just make total sense. But then I had to, as a young guy who hadn't figured his shit out yet, I had to decide how I felt about that. And I felt that the way Anthony kind of spoke and all the time they spent half naked around one another, sometimes naked around one another. <laughs> um, and just like their kind of comfort, the, the sort of, uh, I don't know, it, I, you, you said bros, but I, I don't know. I felt like there was just a, there was a camaraderie and Chad wasn't even necessarily a part of, of it because he kind of, you know, he speaks in the documentary about how he liked to kind of be able to leave, leave work and go home. Yeah, he's the one that didn't stay at the house. Right, it, right. You know, that's why, like, Flea with his kid, it's almost like Flea's being let out on probation, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's a great way to say it. Yeah, no, I just, yeah, so, and, and I was like, and it, this was a fleeting thought, and it didn't really stick, but I can remember thinking it on my initial viewing, just going, and that was, I guess, because how comfortable around each other they were, and just how physical they were with each other, comfortable they were physically with each other. I just remember thinking, it's like, it's possible that Anthony, Flea, and John are all gay. <laughs> and I'd never considered that before, but it did sort of change my, you know, it, it, it gave me stuff to think about. I was just like, I'm cool with this, but, you know, 
it never occurred to me until now. And I don't know what it was about them necessarily. I'm sitting here trying to rationalize it, but that was one of my big takes from watching funky monks. Um, <laughs> my other big take was that I loved the song soul to squeeze. And I remember thinking, why isn't this on the album? And like just obsessing over that song because, uh, you know, I don't think under the bridge was a single yet. And that ended up being like a, like one of the bonus tracks on it, I think. And yeah. on a lot, of, a lot of other ones after that, but I remember hearing soul to squeeze in the movie being someone who was very familiar with the tracks that were on the album and like going, this is an amazing song. Why isn't this like, it was my favorite, like out well, of all of them. It's I pretty much it. on there. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's on their greatest hit, so it's obviously gotten its due now. I'm actually like, since it's just like two feet away, I'm like, what placement did it get on the greatest hits? Is it like right at the top? It's well, trapped. it did. It did get released as a single because of the Coneheads movie. That's um, it, Coneheads. I knew it was a movie that like you're like, what really? <laughs> oh no, we went to see Coneheads movie just so we could hear the damn song. I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the version is- in the track five on their greatest hit so that's pretty close to the top <laughs> yeah because the, the version they do in the movie is obviously just with the scratch vocal and you know they're it, they're being shot like you know recording this stuff and so it wasn't like the final version but i can remember making a tape just for myself of having the music that was in the movie just because yeah I, I just fell in love with that that song um and so those are my yeah those are my two big kind of takes from it other than just um, I don't know. I could not have completely loved a band more at that time than I completely loved the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, I mean, I I know I when you know middle school Matt would have been like, yeah, they're my favorite band. Uh, sometimes probably switching for Faith No More, Primus, or um, um, the Smashing Pumpkins. Um, Primus don't listen to anymore. Doesn't hold up. Am I, am I, if if I listen to Primus, it's like why am I not just listening to Rush, right? <laughs> <laughs> true yeah i don't i don't tend to go back to any of that i i still what's still on my from my teenage times um the jane's addiction is still um on my uh in, in my phone or whatever mm-hmm. has stayed in my cars and stuff god i don't know that anything else how much has really survived the cut i mean every chili peppers has remained i mean that's that's an interesting thing about the music it doesn't seem a whole lot of it's it wasn't of any time. It just was its own thing, I think. And yeah. So, except in the eighties uh, when it was the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we went backwards in the catalog because of when we became fans, we, we then got, you know, party plan freaky styly and, uh, and yeah. the, uh, the self titled. Um, but like I, yeah, I still enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I think that first record they did with Josh Klinghoffer, I didn't like quite as much. Um, upon uh, the first time I heard it, but I really did like their subsequent recordings with him. And so I wouldn't say there's a, any record of theirs that I, that I actively dislike, even one hot minute, which people always say is the I worst. I love that fact. one. I love that too. <laughs> I really do. Like I saw an interview where they're fleeing John. This was within the last, like, you know, five or six years. Uh, we're sitting there talking about the interview, asked them some of their favorite songs or whatever, or great memories they had. And F- Flea talked about Aeroplane. I'm like, you're goddamn right. <laughs> Aeroplane's one of my favorite bass lines of Flea's. Well, I and guess John's the- face kind of twisted because he doesn't do any of those songs, you know? Yeah, because I think that album really is the perfect follow-up to Ritual de la Habitual. Yeah. That, that's the it, problem it, with it. <laughs> yeah. Not a problem. No, it's it, like, 
It sounds more like a Jane's Addiction album than just a Chili Peppers album by far. Yeah. And so that that pretty much sums up why I still listen to Jane's also as an adult. Um, I don't listen to a whole lot of rock at all. I mostly listen to R&B and hip hop now. Uh, and that really started in the late 90s. But I... Um, I still have a pretty hate machine on my phone. Yeah, see, for some reason, I just can't. Yeah, I, I just I've can't. I've never gotten I, I into any other Nine Inch Nails album that much, but that one I still occasionally like to come back to. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I just can't. Uh, yeah, a lot of that stuff just didn't stick for me. But for some reason, yeah. The um, And, you know, watching, um, I don't tend to listen to Blood Sugar Such Sex Magic as much just because, God, I played that album out because everybody wanted a copy of it. Like I heard that that shit was just the soundtrack for life for a while. Cause it did, the record just got bigger and bigger. Um, but I also just lived and breathed it when it was out. I mean, I, I have videos of me at school playing it in the art class. Like I brought <laughs> it to school and played it in art class. I, I knew that it was going to make me a better artist, but like, uh, yeah. It, it doesn't tend to be one of the ones that I go back to, even though I like it a lot. Um, hearing the music now, it's hard to view it from the lens that I viewed it as as a kid when it was just my favorite band's new album. Because now it's like you look back on it and go, look at what it was, which was it was groundbreaking and very influential and created some of the worst or begat some of the worst music on the planet, which is rap rock mm. and <laughs> funk rock. Uh, in particular, all the awful bass players that were influenced by Flea's um, slap style. I mean, um, that was his point here. He'd, he'd already figured out, I should probably stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I remember one of the things that stuck with me when learning bass and becoming a bass player was um, how Rick Rubin had to kind of basically tell him, um you can't you can't sit there doing all the runs and and uh you know fill notes and stuff like that it's not going to make the impact and your hands aren't going to physically be able to get catch up with it just be fine sitting on some of those root notes yeah yeah that's um something i definitely found with because well hell i mean when we were inspired by all that stuff i mean we remember in in our first bands me sitting there doing like absurd runs that didn't make sense <laughs> yeah but you know if we were smarter more mature musicians we would have known that you know you just you just let that be the melody and stick the guitar parts in there kind of minimalistic i love john frushanti as a guitar player like I, I think he's just amazing and i liked all his solo stuff too and i'm so happy on the new album um the not the getaway what's it called uh unlimited uh, love, or unlimited, love unlimited. unlimited love um that he's he's his vocals are so prominent that anthony just basically lets him sing one of the one of the tracks uh definitely the choruses on all on one yeah. of the songs we did just, uh, on several albums ago yeah yeah that's true that's true um now am i a, a big fan of the new one i there are a couple tracks that i think could have been left out and been on like a you know like a oddities compilation or something like that or a b-side but for the most part, um, every song I feel is some of the most solid they've done, and some of it even reminds me of the pre, uh, the the pre Blood Sugar stuff. Uh, there's yeah. a lot more. There's more rap than I was expecting there to be. 
I haven't fully uh, lived into that album yet because it's it's on my computer, right? But I haven't put on any of my mobile yet, so I haven't given okay. it the, the proper listen. I just you know went. I, I probably listened to the whole thing like once. Okay. <laughs> I need to unlazy yeah. myself and put it. The problem is I I haven't hooked up my mobile stuff for a while, so I'm afraid I'll, I'll be like, oh, this will take five minutes, and I'll be spending two hours trying to get things to stop crashing and stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I've I've been listening to it, uh, pretty much nonstop. Um, since it came out and that's usually how I do with any new album I get I just kind of you know I because a first listen I can't trust it because mm. I'm going like oh this sounds like throw away your television or this sounds like you know I can't like let myself do that I have to sort of you know because chili peppers do have a sound now and um, you know I think when they go outside of it uh, not too far outside of it but mm. when they go outside of it that tends to be the tracks that I like the most when i'm surprised by something that they do and uh it has a lot of surprising moments too okay yeah it, it's it's kind of like i just want to give it my full attention and I, well and honestly past week we were doing this so i gave blood sugar a few runs like you know i was playing along with it sunday night or whatever yeah does it hold up for you does it still sound like if this came out tomorrow i would like it it's on my phone <laughs> That one, that and the other one on my phone when I was looking actually was one hot minute. So those are two chili pepper albums I actually have on my phone. I have yeah. most of them on my iPad, but uh, I what, what did I leave out? I left out the first one on my iPad. Didn't need the mm -hmm. fire one. I don't. I don't have the first cling off or one like you mentioned on there. Yeah, that that one's just like I don't know why, but I I did that initial listen, and um, I just was like I wasn't feeling it necessarily. But I re like I said, I really enjoy the stuff he did uh, later with them. Getaway is one of my favorites of their like more recent career. I love I love that one. Oh, and Stadium Arcadium's not there either because I often just forget that one even exists, even though it's the Isn't double that album. wild? Because it has some of Stadium Arcadium has some of my absolute favorite Chili Pepper tracks on it. But as a listen, like I don't I see it as this one giant. You know what I mean? Like, like Blob. if I go in, I've got a, I've got a, yeah. And there, I'm like this with most double albums. I really, unless one disc is very different from the other, I tend to just be like, okay, this could have been one amazing record. You Blood know, Sugar I'm, would have been a on vinyl. It's a double album. Oh well, I'm sure there's a lot of songs <laughs> on that. Thing. Like yeah. in the '60s, this for sure would have been a double album. You know? Uh, so. Yeah, but I guess me now in the in the terms of our generation, be a double disc. Yeah. Um, like like the Smashing Pumpkins one where I remember getting it going like, God, you know, this could be one. and Guns N' Roses the same. I was like, this could be one like this one album in here really destroys. But mm -hmm. as two, you start to hear some things are just stronger than others. And you wonder how someone thought it was a good idea to put this on the same work of art as this other thing. You well, know, what, what would you consider a solid double album? You can go back to the 60s for this if you need to. Oh, God. This is going to sound weird, um, but I think the Fillmore recordings of Hendrix and uh, Band of Gypsies, rather, mm -hmm. even though he's playing the same sets on them, so there's uh -huh. repeat tunes, I always, like, I always enjoyed listening to both. You know what I mean? Like, the full thing. Mm -hmm. And I, don't, I can't even explain to you why. <laughs> that was a thing for me but yeah it, it definitely yeah there was there's it's it's all so killer you know and i think the thrill of that one is seeing the nuances 
you know? Yeah. How about Ladyland? Does that do it? Uh, too much? I, Plays Voodoo Child 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. You know, that one is almost better as a vinyl listen. We have to take those breaks and flip it over. You know? Yeah, there's different tones on each side. Yeah, I, I'm speaking purely in terms of like, you know, this is going to play in my car or in my headphones, mm -hmm. uh, you know, through, through a modern device. And uh, because of that, yeah, that band of gypsies, that to me just, yeah, it's always one that I, I don't even think of it in terms of its length. I'm just like, yeah, I want to hear Machine Gun again. <laughs> <laughs> I think I now just have the straight up band of gypsies on my my listening devices but i did play that one for several years. i think i like only had that for quite a long time so having the original album was like a novelty by that point <laughs> yeah 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 no because th with those i can't imagine skipping anything i can't imagine like going oh which one do i want to hear like i can't i couldn't even pick i it just has to be yeah so that's it for me what about but you you're down with buddy miles when he wants to sing Oh yeah. Okay. A lot of people aren't. <laughs> oh no, man. I I mean, oh god, what a what a musician. No, that band of gypsies was just. I appreciate. I, well, we're gonna. I don't want to go into that, but like yeah. we're. I definitely. Yeah, I dig that. So your favorite double album? What is it? I mean, it's relatively cliche. I did finally. I I changed views on the white album at some point because ten, fifteen years ago I would have been yeah it should have been a single, but now I'm like no it needs all the the weird crap in there to actually make it work yeah oh god i can't imagine it without it i mm. i i enjoy revolution number nine sorry yeah <laughs> but i listen yeah, to I'm not music the... and stuff so it's uh, you know i get it <laughs> yeah i'm not the biggest Beatles person that was more my dad's music however i remember um the white album being the first one anyone ever played for me in its entirety and that was you and i remember where we were when we did it too that was my first real time hearing the beatles as a you know outside of hearing my dad play it all the time yeah you know so as a result i think yeah i got a, a special place in my heart for white album because you and i sat and listened to it yeah. at my house and then the i think it was actually the first major like rock double album was frank zappa's freak out which is on one cd so maybe it doesn't count but uh that it's yeah it's hard for me to see that as a double album because i came up in the yeah the era of the double disc yeah but i i actually did like I got the disc eventually, but I did grow up with it on vinyl, so I can keep that in my mind. And in that in that case, the second disc is very different. Um, I, I've never enjoyed George Harrison's "All Things Must Pass" because maybe it shouldn't have been a double album. Also, that the production just doesn't work for me on that one. <laughs> it's Phil yeah. Spector, so every it's all wall of sound. Like everything should be close mic'd in this. <laughs> yeah, no, I I really think in terms of our yeah, in in terms of our albums that came out in our formative years you know we were like yeah like i said the era of double disc and i just more often than not i felt like there were so many like great albums that somehow needed to someone thought it needed to be all out at once and i was like no nah, i prefer hearing like you know smashing pumpkins then put out pisces iscariot that uh like it was like all b-sides and stuff yeah. Yeah, that was to me that was a way better album than the double album was you well, know the double, to me it the, was way better there was the box of the eps for that too which i thought was better than the actual album because you'd have the single and then like kind of like interesting experimental tracks a few of them were crap but a few of them were quite good <laughs> yeah i didn't hang on to anything from smashing pumpkins except 
uh, Pisces Iscariot and that um, cool little box. Uh, was it the airplane flies high or whatever? Yeah. Um, that was the last one I parted with. And I ended up, somebody really wanted to give me a good amount of money for that. And uh, it was in great condition because I always kept my stuff really in, in good shape and took care of it. And so, yeah, I no longer own any of that. I just have an old Smashing Pumpkin poster that was in my wife's room when she was a teenager. That's all I got left. Well, bring it back home with the chili peppers. Um, give, give me your favorite, like, weird deep cut track of theirs. <laughs> like, not oh my one of the singles. Not one of the singles, weird deep cut. I love the Search and Destroy, their cover of Search and Destroy. I did until I heard the Stooges, but <laughs> it is a good cover. Yeah, I'm just, I, like, good I like the Stooges a lot, that's... but I this was how I was introduced to that song. Exactly. That's um, kind of what the, the, the chili pepper covers are like, Oh, you like this? Go listen to some cooling. Oh, you like this? Listen to Stevie. Like, I think their covers very much are like, Oh, you like our version. You should probably go listen to the original. Yeah. But with search and destroy, I just, it's so stripped down. I feel like, you know, while it doesn't have like the sonic quality of the stooges original, I feel it does have like a really nice sort of stripped down feeling to where it kind of sounds like you're in that house. Like they could have all stood in the same room and just rocked it like they were practicing and playing one of their favorite songs. I just say, yeah, I really like that Search and Destroy. I think I, I've already mentioned this podcast, but I think I'm going to go with Dosed because uh, I, I have trouble getting that one out of my head a lot of the time. So, <laughs> Dosed is a beautiful song. Like, no, and, I, was, I told you I was listening to Blood Sugar, right? to just to yeah. get that in my head for this podcast and then but then walking around during the day that's the one that kept getting in my head and i haven't listened to that one recently <laughs> is dosed on by the way or is that a californication I, now that you called me on i can't quite remember it's on one of those two <laughs> yeah i want to say it might be a by the way uh that's another underrated one that i absolutely love is that underrated? Um, okay. <laughs> I thought that was considered uh, one of their best ones. <laughs> uh, it, I, think it's, I think it's underrated. I mean, you know, everybody was all about Californication and thinking that was because of, the, because of the success of it, that there wasn't kind of anywhere to go but like copying that. So that's kind of a, and I don't tend to read reviews, so I don't know. But, you know, anybody I talk to that's around my age that still like will admit they love that band, which is not a lot. Because most mm. people want to act like, you know, they've turned into the Eagles, you know, <laughs> and, which I don't understand that comparison at all. That just means, you know, yeah, they're old. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, you know, the, the only thing bad about them is I cannot, I don't that understand. Yeah. Anthony's haircut and, <laughs> and his mustache are just like for the birds. I don't get that look. I mean, he was good. He was considered one of the most handsome musicians of his era you know he was definitely like a sex symbol and i'm like wow dude like now he looks like the repairman in a low budget 70s porn yeah i don't <laughs> understand it i don't understand it because i was like is he trying to look like his dad but his dad you know was a character actor or whatever like, i don't understand this man is something happened to his face <laughs> like he's trying to cover something up I, that's what i keep thinking i was like he's something's wrong with his face you know maybe this shit just fell out and yeah i was thinking flea i guess fleas always look like an old man so he actually looks more right now than he did like say in this video like he looks yeah. kind of weird and goofy in this video but now you know older flea seems to actually like look right 
Yeah. And uh, between uh, Anthony's book, Scar Tissue and Flea's book, Acid for the Children, Flea's book is a million times better. Yes. Like he's just way better writer. I did find it hysterical in this film that Anthony has to describe, take five minutes to describe the lyrics of the only set of lyrics he's ever written that makes any fucking sense. <laughs> it's like, I got to explain that song to you. Yeah, under the bridge, you're like, okay, you're literally saying where, <laughs> you know, there's, there was nothing I thought that was very mysterious about that. It's like their needle, the damage done, you know, like we get it. It's like, you know, tell me what another one, you know, is about, right? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the, yeah. One of the ones where you're just like, okay, what is, what, what does he even mean? You know? he probably doesn't know either so this was just him trying to sound deep yeah that part was a little funny to me uh but i you know it, it was it was cool seeing i mean my lovely man's probably my favorite song on blood sugar sex magic and uh you know the more you knew about the band I mean, it was clearly clear who that's about and they've written a lot of songs about uh hillel slovak and uh that's probably my favorite of them um but that, yeah, if I had to pick a favorite song off that record, it would definitely be that one. Yeah. Um, I, I've always had, because my dad just said this the first time I think I heard it. So it's never got in my head that Breaking a Girl sounds like the Soft Machine. <laughs> have you heard the Soft Machine? They have some wild drumming. That's a. Yeah. And I didn't, I would have never put that together. But, you know, once you start thinking about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The percussion on that, like Chad. I mean, he's on the new one. He's got a couple where it's like, whoa, you know, there's a there's a lot of work on there uh, as far as what he's doing. But I don't think the density of the percussion, I don't think he's ever tried to kind of duplicate that. They would just I mean, the movie shows you just how much was put into it. Um, well, they went to the dump and got some stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, I love that, too. And guy Anthony's off by just a little bit and like watching it now, I was just like. You know, when he's hitting that thing, I was like, I know they didn't use this take because he's just like a little bit ahead of, of where they are. And I'm like, ah, I don't know why, but I never would have picked up on that as a kid. But now I'm just like, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Let him do that separately. <laughs> oh, sorry. I forgot here. I got a note here. I, uh, we have to use uh, Luke's term for Anthony's mustache, which is the sex pest mustache. <laughs> Spot on, Luke. <laughs> Because he, uh, he he said he had it because he did Mario for Halloween. So he shaved his beard and kept the mustache. Like, whenever I do that, I look like a sex pest. <laughs> <laughs> what a great term. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm just looking at the, the most ridiculous notes I've written. Like, my band makes me come, man. <laughs> Which I think is a pretty direct quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The stuff it got, again, back to the just john just the idea that he wasn't yet completely mm. out of his mind on drugs and that's what he was like going into it it, it makes a lot of sense where he kind of ended up and you know I'm, I'm so happy to see a healthy happy and, and just wildly uh prolific john Frusciante. i mean it's it's the greatest one of the i feel one of the greatest rock stories there is because uh, i don't know about you but i was really loves that shadows collide with people oh that's uh, a good album and, ataxia i like that one a lot yeah 
when he put what did he do so, he put out an album a month for a year that was pretty crazy yeah on that record collection label and i just ate all that stuff up yeah same here i mean it, it just no matter how weird it got i was just always there for it i was just like wow you know john's really an artist unto himself and uh the fact that he can still kind of remember how to be you know the guitarist of one of the world's biggest rock bands mm-hmm. just to me is like that's even somehow weirdly more impressive than any of the rest of it <laughs> <laughs> is that he can still man it because you've only listened to it once you said but there's just some real rockers on uh on you know in amongst some i felt a little bit too many mid-tempo uh songs on um that's... on ultimate love or whatever yeah. it is called unlimited love yeah. yeah there was a little bit too much there was one or two too many mid-tempo but like there's some just really ripping shit <laughs> that he's doing and i'm like there he is man he's still got it a uh, couple thoughts near the end of this film ever ever done acupuncture oh god no no <laughs> did i tell you my acupuncture story i've actually had it several uh, times now, but I, was I, having, I don't i was having back problems and and i was still dating my wife at the time she says let me take you to where my aunt works you know and i thought it was just going to be like you know like a massage or something i go in it's actually a school for the blind where they do acupuncture oh wonderful <laughs> so i got acupunctured by a blind guy six on six separate occasions then <laughs> i'm i mean i'm just happy to hear you survived the first one so that's actually really hey you know high five to that guy I, I, well, you know, I guess they're like feeling the the energy. Um, oh, my other thought—they had that that rap party, right? And I was like, obviously, nineteen ninety one is too early, but and if they had had this party in twenty ten, I just I was like, how many Ed Hardy T shirts would be at this party? Oh my God, Ed <laughs> Hardy would be at the party. You rhymed. I I that scene. I'm glad it didn't like linger on that too long because yeah. it was <sighs> wildly awkward, but. Yeah, it was bad, awkward. I was like, God, I would not want to be anywhere near that, you know, band or not, you know, (laughs) but you're you're a poet. And that thought did not occur to you previously. No, it did not. Just just, waited too long. I didn't want to interrupt. Oh, uh, no, no. The very last time, the very last scene. um, Piano Chad, I I assumed he was playing a song called Lick My Love Pump. They're doing the kind of classical Luciano. Like this is a very yeah. Spinal Tap moment. It was oh god, I don't. I want that. I hope that was intentional. Yeah, that, that's what that's what I was thinking. Is this like a little like like inside joke? Yeah. Oh, that's oh man. Too bad he didn't actually know how to play that piece. That would have been even more fun. Or hell, yeah. no, I'm pretty sure it wasn't the same piece. I've seen Spinal Tap enough times. But that would be great though. But Chad, yeah, if anybody. He, yeah, he always just seemed to me kind of the odd man out, but, uh, he's the uh, you machine. know, he is, he's great. And, you know, he's an awesome player. You ever see the drum battle with him and Will Ferrell where they dress the same? Yeah. Yeah. Cause maybe <laughs> they swap roles sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That was a trip, man. That just shows he's got a good sense of humor, but I mean, you know, his side band that he's was in had like Sammy Hagar and all these other like old fart rock dudes. I'm like, yeah. That just seems very Chad. <laughs> oh, I should just, um, before we wrap up completely, the first time I ever um, really went out of my way to watch a live performance on television was their Saturday Night Live appearance. Yeah? 
So yeah. I was like, oh, I guess bands can't really play live because I hadn't been to my first concert yet. So that was like, oh, I get to see a band I really like play live on TV. I'm like, oh, that's where, you know, John, like, notoriously Screaming. played about as shit as possible. <laughs> yeah, he was over it at that point. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, I saw them on the By The Way tour. Yeah. And then it would have been um, not too long after that, um, you know, uh, I guess Nirvana would have been the next act I would have caught on television. So they could be sometimes fantastic and sometimes a little slipshod. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a big Saturday Night Live fan, have been since I think I started watching 87. I've never missed it. There's been some honestly great music that I've discovered through that show. Of course, now, you know, I can say the same about Tiny Desk, but like um, I still watch it every week. And uh, yeah. it's always... It's always cool to see what people will do, what they're like live, you know, but uh, I, yeah, um, they, yeah, on, on, by the way, they were um, full on, you know, rock band mode, uh, you know, John was there. And then um, I think Josh was actually there doing the support stuff that he did for, for, uh, for John on, on second guitar. Mm-hmm. And probably that, that Moog, I did notice, notice the Moog this time where I didn't notice it, you know, 30 years ago of course but <laughs> yeah that great scene that great scene where anthony clears the room with his far but flea never even bats an eye so into the mode <laughs> yeah because i think you, you know we were like super like synthesizers and the light and drum machines and stuff suck like in 1991 right so i, I think it was uh probably the chili peppers and rem that got me thinking what is that interesting noise in there <laughs> yeah no nah, we were we were pretty much i mean we're st- I mean, I always call it punk because that's the, the, the attitude I feel like the kind of that we had, um, even if we weren't trying to make punk music, we just, I think, unknowingly were still punks. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we, we were definitely not cool into like electronic. I mean, I still would not want to go see like a band like, you know, and some dude's just on his laptop. I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> He's not there either. He just hit play and left. Yeah, really? <laughs> or yeah, you yeah. can't. Because I remember going um, in, in university, uh, my girlfriend was like, let's go see the ballet, you know, and it was like some really good ballet company, supposedly. And But we go and I'm like, wait, there's no orchestra. They're just going to can the music. What's the point? <laughs> yeah, whoops. Now, I saw a performance of Hedwig and the Angry Inch where it was basically karaoke and drag. And I was like, oh, yuck. <laughs> I mean, this is totally not Hedwig at all, is it? But uh, yeah, so I, I, to a certain degree, I still certainly want to want to have the live music. But uh, I guess we will pull in the the tank for today. You're already pulled in. You're you're in the parking lot. So I um, am, man. <laughs> and no one's knocked on my window. No one's tried to get in my car. I picked a good place. Did anyone offer you some gray poupon? Just for 1991 <laughs> references. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Spalding Gray wanted to poop on somebody. Oh, okay that's cool too um tell them where you're at uh yes my name is andrew always a pleasure especially to talk about the chili peppers with you because of our our personal history with that and many other things uh my friends and i here in athens georgia make movies as a hobby we are called gonzorific g-o-n-z-o-r-i-f-f-i-c uh you can currently watch our film bad girl dracula on Reverie streaming service, R-E-V-R-Y, and that is all uh, queer and LGBTQIA content. And our movie Space Boobs in Space is still out there in the universe, courtesy of 
Plex streaming service. Streaming. I'm I, I'm getting so old. I don't understand streaming services. Oh well. <laughs> streaming services. Uh, when you're peeing, someone holds it for you so it doesn't get on your shoes. Oh, that's good. Um, what is this? <laughs> this is oral hygiene. It's oral hygiene pod on Facebook, Twitter, all that. Uh, we we do a bunch of podcasts at Patreon. You can find us at Podcastio Podcastius or is Luke at Sci-Fi Sanctuary, where we talk about sci-fi films and sometimes get naked between recordings. Speaking, well, speaking, yeah. Speaking of the uh, the vibes you're getting in in this documentary, but yeah, yeah we'll we'll do one at, at a temple. Go to the Japanese hot spring and do a, the second on the way down. So, <laughs> you know what, man? That's that's how we all came into the world, man. Butts aren't a big deal. He's got tattoos, so he's got tats, right? So I, I, I have, I, I know like two onsens that that tattoos in because Japan's weird about that. Because you know you got is those, that right? Well, because like they think they're dangerous because of the whole yakuza thing. Oh right, yes, okay, yeah. So, okay. but you know, so in both of these places, I t- go with Luke. I've seen people like with the full on, you know, like vests or whatever so i'm like okay if they can come in then they're not going to care about you know luke's zelda triforce tattoo <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think someone's going to mistake that for anything yeah. but what it is so is that there's twilight zone where you sometimes talk to me about the twilight zone um, oh yeah we haven't done it recently because i'm like really far ahead but uh <laughs> yeah um and then there are video game podcasts about pokemon and the grand new game game show where they do games about games yeah okay <laughs> well well i'm sailing i don't know i don't have an end quote for this here say something insightful so why couldn't you explain that lyric that i that could have used an explanation <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, that was just some old beer sheet. Scat. Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done. Oh. Oh. On the lamb again with the great talker. Again with the great talker. He must contact with the people who dwell. Use my wit to escape the colony of hell. On dreams we go, on discovering all the gold. Return everything we were stole Grow back the timber on the hills Kindred spirit now guides our wills oh. Respect the ones who give you their kindness And rage against our civilizations by this Rainforest rooted in sand On dreams we go, 
I'm discovering all the gold Return everything we want so grow back the timber on the hill Kitchen spirit now guides our wills Sandy beach and search for water Follow tracks of campfire smoke To guide us along There's other people to the land they belong On dreams we go Undiscovering all the gold Kindred spirit now guides our wills Great talker